Pi online campus. It is so great to be with you today. My name is Sam and I work with students at our Menlo Park campus. And I'm wondering if you have ever had one of those days. You know that feeling. It's where you wake up to the sound of your alarm and you are convinced that there is no way that it's already morning time because you feel like you just closed your eyes. So you close your eyes again for just a moment, but then you wake up late. And then you're, you're running late to the first thing on your schedule for the day. While you're running late, you're thinking ahead of your day and you have really a bit of an expectation or at least a general idea of how your day will go. But then you are summoned into an unplanned meeting or you get a call from a friend who needs to talk or you're, in a, in a, you're notified that one of your kids has to be picked up from school. You move what, from what feels like one emergency to the other, all while thinking about the things that you had on your to-do list over the weekend that you didn't finish, and now you really should add them to your to-do list for when you get home tonight. You start to head home and you begin to realize that you still haven't gotten back into the rhythm of there being traffic, and it added time to your drive that you hadn't been expecting. Now you're running late to a dinner that you've had to reschedule multiple times, so there's really no point in trying to reschedule it now. Before you know it, your day is coming to a close, your to-do list hasn't gotten much shorter, and you go to bed thinking about how you have to do it all again over the next day. Have you ever had one of those days? Then the weekend arrives. It's what you have waited for all week. But this weekend somehow got filled with endless to-dos. With the good weather, you get the itch to do a little spring cleaning, which then sends you to the Goodwill and then to the store to get more storage containers before making it home in time just before you need to get cleaned up uh, to head to the birthday party that you committed to going to that now you're kind of wishing you hadn't committed to go to. On the way to the party, you're going through in your brain the latest COVID protocols, trying to remember what changed most recently and also trying to remember how this particular group of people that you're interacting with is actually interacting with the restrictions. You make it home from the party later than expected and your head hits the pillow when you realize that yet again, you didn't seem to accomplish the things on your list that you actually wanted to accomplish over the weekend. Have you ever had one of those days? Chances are, if you are anything like me, most days and weeks seem to jump back and forth in some variation of that cycle. And the more I'm in that cycle, the more tired I become and the more I look for an escape. And I know that, that there's a chance that you are entering into today with some familiarity to the scenarios that I just described. Maybe you're coming here today longing for an escape and longing for, for rest from the chaos of this world. Today, I wanna talk about why I think we were made for more than the endless cycle of escapism that we have found ourselves in. But before we begin our time today and before we jump into the text, I, I wanna start a little differently. I want us to take a moment together to pause and to invite God into this space, to turn our attention to our God who never grows tired or weary. And for some of us, 
it might be the first second you've had to really breathe in a while. Let's sit with the Lord. There'll be some words on the screen that will guide us through a few moments before Josh and Anton lead us in a song together. I just want to be here with you Cause I got all I need here, Lord, with you There's nothing to win or lose I got nothing left to prove I just want to be here with you I just need to rest here with you. Got nothing to request here, Lord. Just you. Trading my worry for peace. Leave my burden at your feet. I just need to rest here with you. Breathe in, breathe out, so close, right here, right now, oh keeper of my soul, I will be still and know your God. Finding who I am here 
with you No reason to pretend here, Lord With you All of my failures and flaws Your grace can hold them all I'm finding who I am here With you So close, right here, right now, O oh, keeper of my soul, I will be still and know you are God. God, we are grateful that you are a God who never grows tired or weary and that you are near to us. We pray that no matter what we're bringing into today, no matter what feelings we had uh, as we walked through the beginning of this message, God, I, I pray that uh, we would acknowledge your nearness and your care for us right now. I pray that you would be in the midst of our time together and you would guide uh, this message, Lord, and what you have for each of us today. Amen. What's interesting for me with, with moments like what we just experienced, those, those peaceful moments in, in contrast to the bit of chaos that we started with today, is that when I experience moments of rest, I, I really don't want it to end. Most often, I feel this, I don't know if you can relate, but when I'm waking up in the morning and my eyes open and I wish that I could just stop time to have more time to sleep and to get more rest. But no matter how much I try to hold on to the moments of rest and to make them last, something inevitably pulls me out of it, and I quickly find myself back in the world that I mentioned earlier. Running from one thing to another, tired, worn out, and looking for some type of escape. And for a long time, I think that's what I viewed rest as, an escape. That, that rest was a way for me to escape whatever was happening in my normal life. And it really makes sense because this trap, it's easy to fall into because honestly, our world runs around this idea. Self-care has taken center stage these days and businesses want to make us believe that they have just the right product that will make our lives easier and offer us the escape from the rat race that we have found ourselves in. 
it's easy to fall into the trap of self-care, of the, of the self-care escape method of rest. And at times, I find myself escaping by wandering the aisles of Target, looking for something that might give me a momentary satisfaction, or escape through endlessly scrolling social media, binge-watching a new show, saying yes to another social event, or planning my next vacation while I'm on the way back from vacation. (laughs) But it, it just doesn't seem to work for me. The world keeps coming at me, and I'm often not getting the rest that I need. I think that I have been in a busy season since March of 2020. And since it's been that long, I think that might just mean it's my life. Can anyone relate? I just wonder what it would look like if we worked to build a life that we didn't want to or need to escape from. What if we were able to find ways to get access to a type of rest that leads us to truly find relief in our everyday lives. So I thought we would start today as we have over the past few weeks in the beginning. We see the creation of the world unfold in Genesis 1. And then in the second chapter of Genesis, we encounter something so mysterious and profound. God, an all-powerful being who never grows tired or weary, chooses to rest. It says in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all uh, the work of creating that he had done. This seventh day is often referred to as the Sabbath. The Hebrew word Shabbat literally means to, to cease or desist and to literally rest. The seventh day was not blessed because it was a day of rest, but it was blessed because God was the one who chose to rest on that day. And that's an important distinction to make because it puts God in his proper place. And rather than rest being the thing that satisfies our longing, we're able to begin to see that it is God alone who can satisfy. I like the thought uh, that in the creation narrative in Genesis 1, we see that God created Adam and Eve on the sixth day, which means on the the seventh day, the first day of, of them living life with God, the first thing he had them do after creating them was to have them rest. The very nature of that shows that that rest was not created, as we often treat it, as a reward, but rather as an act of worship. And and I think that this is where much of our self-care world kind of gets things wrong. It puts the emphasis on the product or the experience that will be the means by which we receive rest. So we continue to buy into the cycle thinking that certain things will help satisfy our needs. 
They'll, they'll help us escape rather than coming from a place of understanding that it's God alone who can satisfy. And by engaging in rest as an act of worship to God, we are able to actually fully find true rest. So the, the question remains that why would God choose to rest? And my hunch is that God rested so that he could model rest for us and, and be an example for us to follow. He longs for us to see his example and then willingly follow it. He wants us to rest with him and find fulfillment through him alone. So let's look at the Ark of Scripture just for a moment around this idea of Sabbath. In the book of Genesis, we actually don't see much more about Sabbath. It shows up briefly in Genesis 8 after the flood where God states uh, that the seasons will never cease or never Shabbat. But then nothing. We read stories about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then Genesis is over. The people of God enter into a 400-year period of slavery uh, before we enter in at the book of Exodus. A 400-year period where rest was a luxury that they did not have. In fact, the next times in the Bible that, that we see the words rest talked about or the word Sabbath, Shabbat talked about, is in Exodus, uh, right when um, Moses shows up on the scene and he's talking to Pharaoh. Uh, Pharaoh complains shortly after Moses arrives and he says in Exodus 5, 5, uh, that Pharaoh looked at Moses and said, look, the people of the land are now numerous and you are stopping them from working. You are making them Shabbat. Those doing the oppressing don't like the concept of rest. The story goes on in Exodus and the plagues happen. The Israelites flee Egypt and then they escape from slavery. And then they're entering, wandering into the desert. And for the first time in 400 years, the Israelites were no longer forced to work. This idea of working and being free from slavery would have been such a foreign concept to them. Their grandparents and their grandparents' grandparents wouldn't have experienced a life outside of slavery and this endless toil of working again and again and again. It was all that they knew. So it seems fitting that one of the first things that God has his people do once they leave Egypt is something that, that must have felt insane to the Israelites. God taught them, you guessed it, to rest, to Shabbat. You see, God radically provides food for his people every day through manna in the wilderness. But he tells them, to gather just enough for each day. And if they try to keep it overnight, they wake up the next day with it being rotten. God provides just enough food for them each day. And he instructs them to gather enough food on the sixth day so that they don't need to gather food on the seventh day. Picking up in Exodus 16, verse 22, it says, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers, for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. Moses said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. 
So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning and Moses commanded and it, it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, said Moses, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. One of the first things that God trains his people in after they've left slavery is to rest. And in many ways, this mandate for rest was, was also an act of justice. Rest is contrasted with the work that the Israelites did as slaves. And rest was a marker for them that they weren't slaves anymore. It was communicated to them that their value and uh, their worth was more than their work. So God teaches them to rest by giving them double portion of food on the sixth day so that they don't have to work on the seventh day. He actually built it into their weekly practice for them so that they could be provided for and so that they could rest. Time passes and uh, Moses then receives the 10 commandments at Mount Sinai where even just a glance over the list shows that the word count around the Sabbath commandment is much longer than any of the other commandments. As we follow the thread of scripture, we end up seeing that God has wildly strong opinions about Sabbath. And honestly, that he appears a bit grumpy when his people don't follow it. Like a parent who knows what's best, but sees his children not doing what is really best for them, it makes God grumpy when we choose not to rest. In Numbers, we see that a man was collecting wood on the Sabbath, breaking the commandment to not work. And the people go to Moses and ask him what to do. And God tells them to stone him. Then in Ezekiel, God addressed how the Israelites didn't honor the Sabbath in the wilderness. And he says that he will pour out his wrath on them. The prophet Nehemiah rebukes the people for desecrating the Sabbath and stirring calamity in the city as a result of their disobedience. Sounds like a bad day. The point is, God gets frustrated when his command to rest on the Sabbath is violated. In fact, Jesus got frustrated with how the leaders of the day had turned the heart of the Sabbath away from a place of longing and being with God and instead into a rigid day centered around the keeping of rules. God modeled rest for us and he wants us to rest as an act of worship to him. It's twofold. You see, he knows that it's good for us. So it's out of his kindness that he wants us to practice it. But it's also because he wants us to trust him. When we rest, when, when we practice a Shabbat, a Sabbath, we are essentially communicating to God that we trust him with everything on our to-do list rather than being the kings and queens of our own lives and schedules or the heroes of our own stories by practicing a Sabbath, we are saying that God is over it all and that he alone holds everything together. 
And what's the result? You might be wondering of, of practicing this act of Sabbath. Well, friend, it is joy. Our joy is at stake if we do not practice Sabbath. In Isaiah 58, verse 13, it says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. So for the rest of our time today, I want to talk briefly about this idea of not going our own way and not doing as we please what does it mean to do that within the bounds of a Sabbath? And how can we practically do that in our everyday lives? And I don't think it's a stretch to say that following a traditional 24-hour Sabbath is a radical concept in today's culture. Especially here in our area, 24 hours of no work is something wild to think about. It's sometimes uh, viewed as irresponsible of us uh, and by the world standard. It's irresponsible of how we're using our time. But as a follower of Jesus, who knows that we are made for more than just escaping from one thing to another, we can embrace the reality that practicing a Sabbath is a worshipful act of trust. A traditional practice of a Sabbath routine is to stop from all work, which includes housework and chores. It's to rest, uh, which can be done through naps, through reading a good book, taking slow walks outside. And it's also a time of delight, noticing the things around you that, that were created by God for your enjoyment. My first piece of advice for you uh, in engaging in the act of Sabbath is to start where you are. To start where you are, you need to have an awareness of what rest looks like for you right now. Look at your life and get a pulse on how you're engaging with rest and then start where you are. For many of us, jumping into a 24 hour Sabbath would feel kind of like not training for a marathon and then waking up one day and deciding to run a marathon. Maybe for you, it's starting by prote protecting one morning of your weekend and then slowly building up as the weeks pass. Or maybe it's looking at your schedule and finding things that you can say no to. Some of us don't have the luxury of having two days off a week. And that means that you have to get creative with how you carve Sabbath time into your routine. And Sabbath, for many of us, looks different in different seasons of life. Some married friends that I have with young kids practice Sabbath by taking turns watching the kids so that their spouses can have a few hours to have some Sabbath rest. I like to spend my Sabbath uh, going on walks with friends and leaving my laundry in a pile on my chair. A retired mentor of mine always has time with her grandchildren worked into her Sabbath routine. The point is, it looks different for all of us, but look at your weekly schedule and find a block of time that you can carve out and protect. The second piece of advice I have uh, is to be gentle with yourself. 
adding a Sabbath into your routine will rub up against so many parts of your normal life right now. It will feel unnatural. Rich Viotis says that Sabbath is not just rest from making things, it's rest from the need to make something of ourselves. We are conditioned to feel like we need to make something of ourselves. So pausing to take time for us to figure out individually with the Lord how to pause from that it is so important. And really, however you incorporate Sabbath into your schedule, the point is to stop in your week and to acknowledge that the God of this universe is in control of everything. We can rest because we are deeply loved by God, not because of what we do or because of what we produce, but because of his love for us alone. He is a gentle and kind companion who wants to guide you and he wants to help you establish life-giving rhythms. God is a good God who we can trust. And as a result of that reality of trusting him, we can fully rest. Thanks be to God for that reality. And there are two ways I see you responding to this message today. One is really familiar to me, and that's the first one. It's that you take a brief moment to consider all that was said and all that we looked through in the word today and conclude that there is no way that you can actually implement any of this into your life because you have too much going on. If I only knew what your life looked like, then surely I would have a little sympathy for you. And honestly, that would probably be my response a bit. If I choose this style of living, we'll continue to live in the rat race of self-care escapism that our culture lives and thrives on. But the second response is that you choose to rest as an act of faith. You believe that God has control over all and you trust him. And I think that if we were to engage in rest in the way that we were created to our lives and our world, friend, it would look wildly different. Jesus is asking you today, are you tired? Worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Friend, add a Sabbath rhythm into your life um, and, and you'll build a life that you don't want to escape from. Do it, and you will have peace and joy in his presence. And if you don't, you'll live a life of toil, constantly running from one exhausted season to another. A lot rides on our decision to rest.